Hello, everyone, and welcome to this ninth episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Rydström, and I've spent the last 25 years inside the Connectivity community. In this pod, we invite guests to deep dive into one or many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity and the things around connectivity. So in this ninth episode, I'm extremely happy to have David Jacobi from Kaspersky Lab here with me, talking about the security on the internet and in the connectivity world. So welcome, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. So for the people that doesn't really know you, David, who are you? I'm a computer security nerd, almost 40 years old. I collect VHS tapes and B-horror movies and retro computers. And I don't really know anything else but uh, than computer security. I mean, I've been doing that for so long right now. <laughs> All right. I know you work for Kaspersky Lab. You know, for the people that doesn't know them, who are they? So Kaspersky Lab is uh, one of the biggest, I shouldn't say antivirus companies, but that's how we started. So Kaspersky is an internet security company working um, with computer and internet security, making the world a better place when it comes to digital threats. You know, we are a global company uh, with the headquarters in Moscow. You know, our main, main task is to protect the world by detecting and removing digital threats in different ways. I know you've been quite long, and as you said, you know, you've been in the industry your whole life, really. You know, can you just give us a short background of, of your story? You know, where did you start? Why did you end up here? It's an interesting question, you know, because I started very young. I started out uh, before the internet when there was something called a BBS. A BBS is basically a, a, a system which allows another computer with a modem to dial into through the normal phone line to dial into that that machine and upload files download files write messages communicate with people it's like a website like a community but there can only be one person in the bbs at the same time unless you had another physical phone line connected to that machine and that's you know how i started out by downloading text files that was uh, you know containing information about computer security basically uh, how to hack stuff, how to protect stuff, how to write better code, and, and so on. And that got me into the computer security. And then when I was, I don't know, how, maybe I was 16 or 17, I got my first job in the computer security industry. I was responsible to uh, basically to maintain the security for this hosting company and making sure that the service was patched and, uh, you know, responsible like a sysadmin but mostly focused on the security part and that just got me you know to apply for another job and get another job and then another job and then now i've been at kaspersky for almost 11 years uh, and I have, a, I have a background doing pen testing uh, penetration testing so for those almost let's see how many years i've been in the industry if i'm i mean it's uh, a few more years than 20, 20 plus years in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing pen testing most of that time. All right. I actually read about you and I saw that your first job title was 
sort of första hackare, the first hacker, or <laughs> I think that's a lovely title, you know. What what did you really do? You know, did you try to hack system for someone or? Um, both yes and no. So when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm talking about this hosting company, I was a customer for that hosting company. I had some of my uh, my websites there, and um, one day I noticed that they were vulnerable to. Uh, some publicly known vulnerabilities that they haven't really patched their systems. You could see that based on version numbers. So I contacted them and said, look at this. You're actually vulnerable to these different vulnerabilities and, and I'm a customer of yours and I, I highly, uh, you know, I, I focus a lot on computer security. So I would recommend that you patch these. Then they said, well, you seem to be, uh, you know, very, uh, hungry, person for you know very interested in, in these these topics uh, why don't you come up to uh, to stockholm and and come on an interview so i did that and they they you know it was pretty cool for me because they paid for a hotel they paid for the flights up and you know i flew up there and and they offered me so listen to this i i was paid four thousand swedish kroner uh a month to uh, maintain their security and 4,000 kroner a month when you're like 16 years old is quite a lot of money. I don't know how to translate it. It's like 400 euros or, you know, yep. $400 or, you know, yep. roughly like that. Yeah. And, and when you're 16 years old, that's a ton. That's like a, I feel like a billionaire, you know, because all my other friends, they had like, I don't know, if they had, you know, 10, 10 euros or, or a uh, hundred euros, whatever you, know, I, I had 400 euros. So I was like, yeah, I'm king. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Uh, I know in the beginning you, you, I, I read around a, a site called hack.se and, and that stuff, you know, I, were you into that stuff as well in, in your early days? Yeah. So hack.se is, it's not a website. It's not something that's organized. It's basically a, a chat channel, um, so on on this IRC network, which which uh, I was connected to, there was a lot of different hack dot something. Um, there was like hack dot dk for for Danish people, or hack dot whatever kind of uh, you know country you're in. And I was part of this hack dot se. It's like a community for people who are interested in, in computer security. And uh, I was one of the, the the core, you know, I shouldn't say members, but you know, core people that was there in the beginning since like it started and uh there's uh from that channel there has been some really nice entrepreneurs and and people doing really cool stuff um so i mean i without that channel um i don't actually know if i would have the job that i have today all right to be honest yeah, yeah to be honest yeah Mm. I know that the sort of the security history comes kind of started with, as you said, modems and then through ADSL and VDSL and now on fiber and, and, and mobile, blah, blah, blah. The history there, you know, has, has the community really changed or are people kind of, there's the same people around the way and... Are you talking about threats or or, or the actual individuals? Uh, but more, more, yeah, more, more the people that that do this. You know, are there more more people involved today than it was at that those days? Or mm, I see what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I started in the beginning of uh, of the nineties, the people who were into 
specific computer security or programming or stuff like that, they were they were fans. It was nerds. It was not like you would see a normal person on there. It was mm-hmm. some kind of enthusiast, uh, a computer enthusiast who had a modem, who actually paid money to to have a modem to be able to connect and and communicate with other people. Today, when you have you know fiber and there's Wi-Fi, you just have internet wherever you go. You always you're always connected. You're always. I mean, the the kids today don't really understand to sit there and actually get the phone bill of several millions. I would say because you've been connected to to uh, another person's computer and communicating or downloading stuff or uploading stuff. Um, it's it's absolutely different. And also when it comes to knowledge today. The knowledge that we valued very, very high is super easy to get today. Yeah. I mean, we were we had basically had to learn ourselves and read very cryptic text files. Um, there was no YouTube. There was no basically the the, the web didn't exist. You couldn't you know, cross check that information. It was the same type of information everywhere. So if I was on one BBS um, getting some kind of information, the likelihood that the same type of information on a, uh, would exist on a different BBS was very high. Now you can, you know, if you want to learn programming, you can buy a book, you can go to a website, you can uh, go to a class, you can look at YouTube, you can easily communicate with other people, you can ask a question, say, hey, I'm writing this code, I have a problem with whatever kind of thing, uh, can someone help me? And there's tons of people who just help you. That didn't really exist back in the day. So the knowledge that that we had back then, I think, was very it was valued a lot higher than today. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And now you know, when with, with IoT and five G and everything coming, you know, and everything's going to be connected, you know, what's what's your, really your biggest worries here today? You know, if if very few devices could be connected in the nineties, you know, today absolutely everything can be connected. You know, what 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 should we worry about? I think we should worry about the the pace and I mean the speed of development. Uh, and when I say development, I don't mean uh, software development. I mean business development, basically. That you have a lot of companies who's just pushing out products so they can make money, but the, there's no real standard. There's no real uh, thought behind the products. They just want to they they want to be part of that industry. Like you have. Um, the entertainment industry who suddenly just starting to release smart TVs and smart stuff, right? But is it really a smart TV just because you have a network cable connected to it? Or the same thing with the housing industry. We have this term, oh, this I'm, I'm making my house smart. Um, it's a smart digital house. No, it's not really a smart house. It's just a normal house. It's just the same house it was mm-hmm. 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. you just have a few more things that's connected to to your internal network and you can communicate them when when i see a smart house i would say that house can i shouldn't say make its own decisions because that would be creepy but a house that for example have building material that is so-called smart it can maybe the building material itself or there's sensors built into the building that can 
check for moist, they can check for vibrations or, you know, electricity problems or, you know, whatever kind of things that, that would benefit us as who are living in that, in that house. It's just not, you know, a, a automatic vacuum robot. That's not a smart house, you know, or do you have mm-hmm. a electronic doorbell, whatever kind of thing that you have, a refrigerator that you can check the something in, uh, you know, uh, check how cold it is or whatever. That For me, that's not a smart house. It's just you have a lot of connected devices. Mm-hmm. So how, how, do you, how do you feel people should think about this, you know? Can really the average person really understand this or <laughs> will we be constantly fooled by commercials around the smart house and that stuff? I think it's this way in, in, with everything that's, that's new to us, um, that you have a, a face, like a preface, where um, we have to fail. And I think we're in that, that phase in certain areas. Like IoT, I think we are actually beyond that phase because we already failed. We, we failed so many times when it comes to, you know, we've seen botnets built on, on IoT devices. We've seen uh, very, very insecure IoT devices out there. And now we're actually getting legislation on IoT products. We're getting st- uh, some kind of standard, industry standard for how these should, should be built and uh, certifications and so on. So we're actually beyond that phase when it comes to IoT. But then we have other stuff. We are, you know, self-driving cars or electric cars. Um, we are quite, we're not there yet, right? We're, but we're at least doing it in the right way. And I think some industries is taking more responsibility than other, other industries. Mm-hmm. Some industries, like, as I said, the entertainment industry or, or other types of, you know, non, I shouldn't say non-technical industry because they're very technical. It's just, I just see, you know, some industries care more than others. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right now, you know, we're living in a pandemic. You know, we have COVID-19 running around. And for us in Teleacarrier, that's meant enormous amounts of more traffic in our backbone and everything. But it also meant for us enormous amounts of more DDoS attacks and that stuff, you know. What do you see, COVID-19? Has that changed anything in the security industry? I mean, we can do a part uh, on just this topic. (laughs) Um, You can look at the this pandemic as a just a pause button. When we were forced, and I say we, I mean basically everyone, when, when we were forced to work from home, there were so many companies who just said, oh, crap, this is crazy. Because now suddenly I need to be able to set up my, my network in such a way where people are allowed to work from home. We need to have VPN connections. We need to have, you know, we, we cannot rely on our filtering devices like um, maybe you can rely on their spam filter, but what about content filtering and, and firewalls and backup and patch management and, you know, uh, just, you know, your active directory and, and all those different things. How are you going to handle all that with people working from home? So I think there was a lot of challenges in, in the beginning, but we solved it. As far as I know, we, we kind of solved it. And that's something that's really good. Like we were able to adopt uh, very, very fast, which shows that the security, not the security, the IT industry is not as you know, slow moving as a lot of people think. Because when you're really forced there, when you're forced to make these different changes, people were able to make these changes. So I think that's something that a lot of companies will, will have in mind in the future. Like, if there's something that 
should be changed if if we're implementing a new thing or if we are integrating something new then it shouldn't take so long because they have the experience to actually do it really fast then on the other side for the companies who actually did fail in this who probably are not supporting the devices that's at home now or what about all this legislation saying uh, you know with gdpr or different kind of ISO standards, depending on which industry you're in. What if you are a remote worker and you're working towards systems that handles very sensitive data? Are you actually allowed to take that data and work in your own house, in your own premises? Is, is that data allowed to be stored somewhere else? And how do you communicate securely? How do you share data? There's a lot of stuff like that that, that I think will be a problem. And another problem that, that we're seeing with the pandemic is that you're not getting the same kind of security at home as if you would be sitting inside the office network. Because in the office network, as I said before, you might have you know patch management systems or backup routines and all that 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 you know internal security that just exists that you take for granted. You do not have that at home. At home, you have your own DSL router or your own router, whatever kind of router you have that uh, is provided to, uh, by the ISP. And I doubt that it's configured in such a way that it, you know, it's, it's, it can be valued as high as, you know, a company firewall or company router. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, another thing we saw with the pandemic is, of course, this, you know, everyone working from home, but also everyone staying away from everything, which means online shopping is becoming more important and how, how do you view that you know did we did we cope well in the world with with the move from storage to online shopping um do you mean during the pandemic or just in general no, really during the pandemic when a lot of companies just quickly went to a new way of working you know suddenly they had to be online with everything they sold did they do that in a secure way or did they just throw it out because they needed customers I, I haven't seen any trends saying that the security of e-commerce has has been affected through uh, the, the pandemic. But what we've seen is that a lot of people are selling secondhand stuff. So all these different websites, such as Facebook Marketplace or eBay and those kind of places, that the cybercrime has increased over there, the scamming and, mm-hmm. and those kind of attacks. But when it comes to you know, bigger e-commerce websites. I haven't really seen any any trends there, but I think it's a, a physical problem for all the physical stores that if you don't have a strategy to go online, you you might close your shop because no one is is going to your shop. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of small shops that that cannot compete with the bigger ones. Let's say that you have a shop selling body lotion and shampoo and all those things, right? There's some really big shops out there who sells the same kind of stuff. Yeah. So you will rely on, on your customers and the people who live in your city or in your neighborhood to go and buy these things there. And when they're not allowed to go there anymore, they have to buy it online. And then I think there's a lot of companies that have to close because of the pandemic. But I don't, I don't think it will affect the security in any way, really. Thanks everyone for listening. In the next episode, we will continue to talk to David, so stay tuned until next time. 
please also remember the Twitter handle ConnectivityPod for updates 